Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Tree Church Bible Study. My name is Chris Reed, and I'm the Director of Biblical Education here at the Tree. And it is an honor and privilege to be back with you on the Tree Church Bible Study. It's been a couple weeks. Got to, expand, got to enjoy some time with my family on vacation, uh, but I'm really excited to be back. We have a great episode in store for you today. Uh, we we kind of get away from some of the, the stranger topics that we've been talking about, and uh, we are moving on to uh, what seems and feels like a little bit more like normal topics. I'll just say it that way. But it's a great conversation. We're joined today by Pastor Matthew, Pastor Michael, and uh, we, we have a good time laying this conversation out for you. So please stay tuned as we jump into Deuteronomy chapter 26. The Wellness Series Parenting Workshop is coming up on July 23rd at 10 o'clock a.m. This workshop will provide parents with support and practical strategies to build emotional intelligence within children of all ages. Through this 90-minute workshop, parents will engage in conversations and exercises that will help them better grow their children socially, emotionally, and intellectually. Visit our app to register. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Tree Church Bible Study. My name is Chris Reed, and I'm one of the pastors here at the Tree Church. Today, I am joined by Pastor Matthew. Hey, good to be here. And Pastor Michael. How are we doing today, guys? Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Well, um, it's been a minute since I've been able to do this, so Pastor Matthew, thank you for filling in for the weeks that I've been off here. You know, Chris, I, <laughs> I didn't even tell you this. Uh, I learned something. I didn't realize that being the host meant you did like prep work and <laughs> you did notes and stuff. And uh, so like the day of the one, the first one I had to do, uh, Phil Venrick, uh, he, he texted me. It's like, when can Tiff and I expect the notes? And I was like, what notes? What are you talking about? So all of this, but this is what I discovered. I feel awful about this. I didn't realize you were sending out notes to us for the Bible study. So I'm doing all my own research, not realizing even that Chris had done some stuff. Nice. So when you would ask us questions, like it really was my honest response because I was like, I'd never heard these questions before. <laughs> and so like when he said that, I started going back and looking and I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> do I feel like an idiot? I am so sorry. So I was like, Phil, I will get you those notes ASAP. Get on it. No, yeah. and I never give, I never really gave you kind of like, hey, this is what I do. I, I thought you've looked at them before. So I was like, you know, I, I, have, I thought you were kind of keyed into that. Yeah, but to be fair, I have, but I, I thought I was looking at like your private notes. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? So like you had shared them with me. And so I always had in my mind, you did your work. We were supposed to do our work. Sure. Yeah. And so that was just my mindset of like, right. like yeah, we, we all did our own studies. And if, if you don't have enough time, you can look at Chris's notes who are more thorough and stuff. Yeah. But I didn't realize like that was a part of the process. So I, I felt so bad. And so I worked on it, sent them out. And then I was like, <laughs> now I feel like a jerk to Chris because no. he's doing all this work and I'm not engaging it but no I, I we after doing the first couple i threw some questions out there and i felt like i was throwing you guys off like because i was just asking you questions what was kind of on the fly and so i was like well i'm gonna do some work and try to get oh, some, some questions yeah. get some questions out ahead of time so you guys can look at them i like the phil's default response that wasn't like i'm not doing that like, <laughs> <laughs> what are you gonna, yeah. like matthew's like all right i gotta be thorough phil's like you're gonna hook me up like, yeah <laughs> So I, t I told him, I said, I said, Matthew does his own notes. He typically doesn't put them in the show notes. So maybe you can reach out to him and, and ask him. <laughs> and <Nice>. he did. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, all right. Well, let's jump into kind of the, the fun questions and then we'll get going into Deuteronomy chapter 26, which I, I need to acknowledge. 
we we are finally entering into a somewhat seemingly normal set of passages we today. <laughs> we got through it. Yeah. No more weird laws. No, I, and, and I should say, I looked at next week's, and um, we're back at it for just a minute. Oh, but gosh. Yeah. Um, I think we're kind of wrapping up at the end of, of what's considered the so book we, of the law. So we basically had five weeks of, of oddness. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Really okay. hyper-specific situations. So. Yeah. Today's normal, and today we're going to talk about tithing. So, nice. <laughs> what a break! So it's going it's to be a break. Um, so, but uh, to kick us off, let's just start with the, just a couple fun questions. Uh, what's the weirdest food that you've ever eaten? Yeah, for me, very easy answer: nothing. So I, I'm like <laughs> the most unadventurous picky eater. I mean, of anybody that I know, like I, I, I'm the kind of person I can eat the same exact meal every day for lunch, and never complain about it. And it's not even that I, I don't, it's not, I don't even know what it is. Like my response, if, if we go out to eat and Gina's like, oh, you should try this thing. It's like the stuff that I like hasn't stopped tasting good. Like, right, I, exactly. like why, why roll the dice and try? Cause what if I don't yeah. like that? I'm going to waste money. And like, I don't like it. And I just, I'm the picky. I can't, when I read that question, I was like, I don't even, I don't think I have an answer. I've got nothing. Yeah, Michael so, is speaking my language too, because <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I probably maybe am a tad bit more adventurous to, than you because of my wife. But I have said to her numerous times and been ignored. Every single time I've said this, <laughs> I've told her, like, care. if you picked it, so, like, Monday night was Sloppy Joe night, Tuesday was hamburger, you know, yeah. Wednesday was spaghetti, I would be totally cool <laughs> with Happy that. as a like, clam. Yeah. yeah. It, because I, even, like, the, the, today we all went out to lunch uh, to celebrate a staff member's birthday, and we went to uh, Mongolian barbecue. And Mary just leaned over me. She's like, did you get your usual? And I said, yeah, I have gotten the same thing. <laughs> yeah, watch the tone. Yes, I did. <laughs> yeah, right. Probably 20 times in a row, I have not wavered from sure. that. Yeah. And I told her today, I go, actually, I, uh, I kind of spiced it up. And she was like, oh, yeah. I was like, yeah, I put kosher salt on it. <laughs> like, I'm not, I don't salt my food. And so I just thought, like, I'll try it to Let's see. Try if something yeah. new. Let's feel a little that, crazy. That yeah. <laughs> oh, so man. I don't really eat a lot of weird things. But I will say this. I went, Mary and I went to Pittsburgh one time. Um, we went to a concert there. And when we were there, we decided to eat at an Indian food restaurant. And all of our friends like it and, and had recommended. And, and uh, so we went and tried it. And our waitress was like, what, what level do you want the heat at for the, the food? Talking about the spice. And, and I was like, you know, I can handle spicy stuff. I don't love really spicy stuff. I can handle it. And I, so I was like, five. You know, like, let's go in the middle. I go, what's the scale? She goes, one to ten. I go, five. And she kind of did like this. And Mary goes, like, what, is that a lot? And she's like, well, I mean, five for us is, yeah, like that's going to be hot for you. And, and I was like, should I do four? And she was like, yeah, maybe, maybe do four. I tell you, that was a, that was a nine in my oh world. My like, so like it was good, like yeah. great flavor, but I was just, I mean, I'm having lunch with my, or dinner with my wife, somewhat romantic around a getaway weekend. And I'm sweating like I'm doing CrossFit. Oh, like man. it is just pouring down. And the waitress came over and she's like, you okay? And I'm like, I am. Yeah, great. Thanks so for the four. I, yeah, it was good, but it was just like, I, I was not prepared for that. So that's probably the craziest thing I've what ever done. What does 10 taste like? Or what, yeah. Is yeah. 10, yeah. Gracious. what does that mean? I thought, what is a six, seven? Like at that Gosh. point. You, is, it, is it right that Mary, that I heard her say once that there's genuinely not a food she wouldn't try or wouldn't even like or something crazy like that? Yeah, she's completely different than me. She, she can name, kind of name one food that she's like, I don't love that. Like that's her perspective. That's so mm -hmm. wild. But she's like, everything else I can eat and I'm totally fine with it so she really is she loves experimenting trying new things so when we go to a restaurant it's the you know the typical thing where she has to look at the menu like so the, the waitress comes over and i'm i'm of the mindset like 
let's do our drink orders and food order at the same time. Yeah. Right? Like yeah, if yeah, I, in the ideal yeah. world. And Mary's like, um, we're going to need a few minutes. And then they come back. She's like, we're going to need a few more. And every time she's she like, says it, yeah, I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, but she just wants to look at what the options are. Yeah, so. For me, I just ask, what's beige? I'll have, what's beige? And it has a lot of fat and butter. And I'll take that. <laughs> you, could do, you could do gruel, gruel then. Yeah, I right? love it. Probably, yeah. yeah. I, I'm pretty adventurous when it comes to food, although I, I will, I'll say it this way. I won't say the weirdest food that I've ever eaten, the weirdest food I've ever passed up on. And this is to the level that you got to get for me to kind of pass up on it. Um, my brother-in-law had gone to a Japanese food market this past weekend, and he brought back these little bag of, of dried crabs. And they're like little tiny crabs, still in the same shape as a crab, whole and they're dried and he's like they taste like potato chips i'm like i'm gonna take your word on it so yeah, um, you just eat it whole yeah you just eat them you just grab it in the back his head like, his legs like his bones, a, uh, everything house. yeah that's too much that's yeah like, see that's where i was i was like texture, you know, but, but even thought. even for him to be like it tastes like potato chips my response is like well i'll have a potato chip yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly do we right. running out of potatoes like yeah. why do i need to go to this weird version was it you that had some crazy things in in china yeah you yeah right yeah i had some some crazy food in china um Although, no, I didn't have as crazy of experience as some other people. Um, like somebody ate a duck egg that they cook by burying it in the ground and just letting it age. Um, I think a f former employee of ours uh, that worked for you did that one nice. time. That just sounds like something going rotten. Sent him straight, <laughs> sent him straight to the bathroom. So. Really? Oh, yeah. I believe oh, yeah. it. Yeah, again, yeah. that sounds like a rotten egg, dude. Yeah. But you so, really like the food in China, right? Oh, like, I love the food in China. About that was some of your favorite you've ever had. Yep. Uh, food in China was really good. I watched uh, another former employee that we traveled with uh, eat a chicken foot. Like, Ugh. yeah, that's like what I was in the. Mind. Yeah, I didn't do that. I had the intestine from the pig that was oh, there. Well, and that's pretty had, gross. Like, <laughs> that's pretty tough. So you know what's weird about it? Like, I don't want to get too deep in the conversation, but it's uh, <laughs> like it's interesting how they use every part of the body when like we're, we're as Americans we're like no nah. we're a little more pretentious yeah. even, about it. Have you? Yeah. I think there was a documentary on this of Americans don't eat ugly food. And so, like, if, fair. like yeah. if bananas or anything just look ugly, we like they stay on the shelf. Where mm. like other cultures are just like, oh, it's just it's bananas, banana. right? Yeah. Like, yeah. So any food that's that way, oh, that's but super interesting. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, I'll be the first one to say I'm that way. Like, you look, if something looks kind of yeah, weird, totally. you're like, oh, why not? Yeah, that is a God-given natural response to something. If it doesn't look like it should be eaten, <laughs> yeah. you probably should right. eat yeah. it. Yeah. Well, like that right that's a safety that. mechanism. Right. That God like gave a us. chicken foot, yeah. 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 hard fast. Doesn't look edible. That feels like that should be in Deuteronomy. Yeah. <laughs> Don't eat the foot yeah. of a chicken. Yeah. <laughs> and if you do, <laughs> yeah. be outside the camp for right. a month. Um, okay, so another question. If you could live anywhere in the world for a year, where would it be? Michael, why don't you start us? Um, oh, that's a really good question. For me, I'd probably, like assuming like your job's on hold, like perfect situation. Like yeah, 100%. No, no giant social consequences, anything like that. Yeah. Probably Ireland. My family's largely from Ireland, and I just, I love like that culture, and I love that group of people, and I love the music. Like I grew up, my mom just constantly playing Irish folk music in our house. I've always been so fascinated. I've never been. So if I could go anywhere, probably a year just to really understand like, I don't know, some of the older people in my family and where they came from and why they act the way they do just to see it firsthand. I think that'd be pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, for me, it'd probably be Kansas. No, you know, for me, two, <laughs> two places. And even as I say this, if my wife watches this Bible study, she'll be like, what? Like, you've never said this. 
the more I see about Iceland, the more oh, yeah, incredibly yeah. beautiful it is. Yeah. So again, uh, if it, what Michael's saying, if there's no consequence, you know, because right. obviously like right now, I don't want my family to be with me and all that kind of stuff. Uh, that would be one part. Or the other would just be a very beautiful island like Hawaii or oh, something cool. like that because I really do get refreshed that way. I, I just don't know. For a year, I feel like I would get I would get bored at that, at that mm -hmm. part. Um, but like Iceland, it, Iceland almost seems fake to me when I see pictures and videos of it. It feels like, you know, you watch a movie about like other planets and it feels like totally. com computer-generated graphics and you're like, yeah. that's what Iceland feels like to me. The more yeah. I see, there's a couple of like really big CrossFitters that are from there. And if you like watch any documentaries on them and they show the land, you're like, what, what is this mystical place that you guys yeah. live? Yeah, yeah. it's so yeah. gorgeous. My childhood best, he's still one of my best friends, Tyler, him and his wife just spent a couple of weeks in Iceland and the pictures he sent me for everything from the architecture to how they build things is yeah. like, to what it just naturally looks like. You think Iceland, it sounds like the most boring place in the world of like, oh, it's cold, probably a lot of ice, yeah. great. No, gorgeous, crazy, yeah. yeah. It looks beautiful. I would say I, I'm kind of along the lines with you, Michael. I I would love to spend a year in Oxford. I would love to to live there for a while. For one, you'd you, be going to the libraries. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> going to the library. Some of the greatest minds in the world. Um, you got boring. <laughs> is, is there stuff not on the internet? <laughs> you're, you're, <laughs> you're, we got libraries here. We got you're books. close to Ireland, so you can go and explore sure. Ireland. You're close to Scotland, like a, you can go and explore Scotland, and also you're close to you could travel and go to Europe and. That's spend, a good point. Like, you know what, You're so practical. You, you, in my mind, you fit in Ireland. You really yeah. do. Like, I yeah, see or, or Scotland. I could see yeah. you in either place. You yeah. just see, it'd be a good place for you. Yeah, I just think it's beautiful. Not, I don't want to live in a city. So like, I'd, maybe Oxford, when I'd like to visit Oxford, but sure. like, to like to live in Northern Ireland for a year it would uh, be, be pretty cool. Or Northern uh, Scotland would be awesome. So, all right, um, let's jump into the passage. We're going to be looking at Deuteronomy chapter 26, um, and um, we're just going to start in verse 1 and, and go through verse 4 here, and then we'll stop and take a break and talk a little bit about what's going on. So when you come into the land that the Lord your God has given you for an inheritance and have taken possession of it and live in it, you shall take some of the first fruit of all of the ground which you harvest from your land that the Lord your God has given you, and you shall put it in a basket, and you shall go to the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name dwell there. And you shall go to the priest who is in office at the time and say to him, I declare today to the Lord, to the Lord your God that I have come into the land and that the Lord swore to our fathers to give us. Then the priest shall take the basket from your hand and set it down before the altar of the Lord your God. So let's just stop there real quick. And... Um, we have to remember context here is Moses has brought the people of God to the edge of the promised land. They're getting ready to go in. And so you see kind of a futuristic kind of a looking forward for for when God gives you what he's promised to give you, essentially is mm -hmm. what he's saying. When you do that, what I want you to do is I want you to to take from the first fruit of your land. So let's explore that just a little bit. And I know we've talked about it in the past, but, but Matthew, could you explain a little bit what first fruit giving is and maybe just some of the implication of of why that might be an important thing for them to do um being when they being on the cusp of of coming into the land that god has given them yeah i mean I, I this is a topic i love talking about and and i think at times it, it, churches can get a really bad reputation and it's, it's completely unfair it really yeah. is about mm -hmm. all they care about is money and it, it, that's such a 
a, a weird perspective. This isn't even what you asked. Okay, so I'm going oh, on sorry. a little. Okay. <laughs> but uh, a weird perspective in the sense that if a church had the money that it needed to accomplish the vision, they would never have to talk about money. And yet we still would because the Bible talks about money. There's like right. a deeper heart issue to it. So that there's always like this negative implication and there's a negative like underlying tension of saying, basically you talk about money because you want to be rich. You know, it's like this weird, no one says right. it, but that's what they think. Mm -hmm. But that's not it at all. There's like this really beautiful, deep principle about finances that we see over and over in scripture. So when you, when you first look at the idea of first fruits, you need to just stop and take a step back and go, okay, who's commanding this? God. Does God need anything? No. So right. the phrase I, I use all the time with our church is, a, a God who is able to speak everything out of nothing will never be in need of anything. Mm -hmm. So God never commands something because somehow it's going to better him right. or, or even provide for something that he lacks or, yeah. or what the church would lack. So when we, when we do that, we go, okay, so let's take a step back. Why does God command this? And we look at it from the very beginning. When God delivers them out of, of Egypt, it's like Exodus 12. Like, I think it's, don't quote me on this, but I think it's like Exodus 11 is the Passover. They're leaving. Exodus 12, he goes, like, they're, you, again, picture the, the whole image of it, like three million people packing up all of their lives to become mobile, to go, just the chaos of that moment. And God goes, this is the perfect opportunity to tell Moses to tell all the people, hey, FYI, the firstborn belong to me yeah. of man and of animal. So like you're, the man you're going to you're going to sacrifice in their place because we don't believe in human sacrifices is God. Um, and God is say, but the animal you, you sacrifice to me and you go, what? Of mm -hmm. all the timing in the world. But why? God was saying, I never want you guys to forget this principle. I'm the one who provides for you. Right. So mm -hmm. as they're walking out of deliverance, that's the, the background of God's command. And so every scripture that talks about finances, put it in context. Here's the context. God has delivered you. Right. So right. For, for this group, he delivered them out of slavery and then says, I want the firstborn. So because the firstborn is the, the faith portion. Right. And, and so just I'll come back to that in a second. But the context is always God's deliverance and promise for provision. All right, so you guys track with me. Like it's yeah. both sides of this. I'm delivering you out of something. I'm going to provide for you in the future. But here's the part you play in the middle. I want you to put me first. Right. So it's a reminder to our hearts and minds. It's not a reminder to God. Right. It's a reminder to our hearts and mind. He's the one who delivered us. He's the one that's going to provide for us. So when he asked for the firstborn, it was that principle. And now when he asked for the first fruits or commands the first fruits, it's that same thing. Because think about verse one. When you come into the land that the Lord your God has given you, what all has to happen before this moment? They're going to have to knock down 10 powerful nations. I think it's 10 or around there, 10 mm -hmm. nations like Jericho yeah. will be first. And then there's going to be these other nations that are bigger than them, more developed than them. So in order for them to get to the place where they can even have crops and, and all of that, all these miracles have to happen. So God is going to deliver. God's going to provide. Then they're going to plant their crops when the crops are blessed by God. But here's even the kicker too: this first fruits, won't even be typically crops that they planted because what God told them is you're about to go into lands that are already developed. You're going to, you're going to sleep in houses and live in houses that you did not build. Right. You're going to eat from bowls. You didn't form. You're going to drink from wells. You didn't dig right. and you're going to eat from crops and, and vineyards that you didn't even plant. So God's just saying, remind your heart that I'm your deliverer and provider. And so that's the context in this that we, we can't forget is that it's always for our minds and hearts. So like every single time I talk about giving, if anyone even wants to push back, I'm thinking, if you don't want to give, okay, 
then mm-hmm. don't give. Yeah. But I'm telling you that the deeper principle is when you give, you are inviting God's supernatural blessing into whatever you give him. Right. Give God your children. You're inviting his supernatural blessing. Give God your marriage. You're inviting his supernatural blessing. Give, it, give him your finances. You're inviting his supernatural blessing. And that's what he's saying here is the, the first fruits. So that's the last thing I want to end with. The firstborn and the first fruits are the faith portion. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the portion that, because there's no guarantee for the after. So like, the first animal that comes out of the womb, when you give that to God, there's no guarantee yeah. there's a second animal or right. third or fourth. So by giving that, you're saying, here's in faith portion, I'm giving to you, God, believing you're going to provide second, third, fourth, which he's promised to do. Uh, in the first fruit, it's the same concept. The first part of harvest, you don't know what's going to happen. Locusts could come, a tornado could come, there could be horrible weather, a drought could come in the process of that. And so by giving to God the first portion, a generous portion, you're saying, God, I'm inviting what you've always done. You've always delivered. You've always provided. Mm-hmm. And so I'm inviting your supernatural blessing into this. And, and that's what God wants. And so that's why he commands it over and over. The first portion. Give me the first portion. Because that is the faith portion. And like what Hebrews says, it, 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 without faith, it is impossible to please God. Mm-hmm. And even in that verse, I love that verse. A friend of mine uh, here in town actually was preaching a sermon on it this past Sunday. But he says, it's impossible to please God without faith. Because a person of faith must believe that God will draw near to you and bless those who obey him. Yeah. Right. Like there's the blessing portion of that. And uh, so. Yeah. Uh, I think humans also have a really bad habit of taking credit for things they also shouldn't take credit for. So that even the way you said it of like the nature of them walking into a promised land is the concept that they're walking into a land that was given to them, not earned. Right. Like God promised this to them due to their obedience and due to his generosity, not because of anything that they earned. Look at how many times he says that God is given to you. God yeah. is giving to you. Yeah. Like and what a great way to make again. yourself remember that is like, all right, so the first of that land, the first fruit that comes from it mm-hmm. is going to go to God because the only, it's all already his anyways. Right. I can stand on the shoulders of God's generosity and be like, look at what I built. But the reality is it all belongs to God. The reason why yeah. you have any of it at all is because God gave it to you. So in that, in that is we're talking specifically about the first fruits from that promised land, but that also applies to everything I have now, whether it be any, every dollar that I have, um, in seasons where it feels challenging to give or, or, or that I might not want to be as generous, I have to remind myself of like, this is all already God's. Like, I can't look at any of this and say, look what I've done. Look what I've built. I have what I have because of what God has given me. And so now it's my responsibility to steward over it in the best way possible. And he's given us a guideline of how to steward mm-hmm. that in a way that keeps our heart in the right place, trusting exactly as Pastor Matthew said, that even giving up the first, even giving up the best, even giving up 10%, giving up an offer, giving up your tithe, whatever the case might be, trusting that he'll do more with what comes after because that's how generous that God has always been. And I, I think all three of us can talk about countless times in life where we've seen that right. come to fruition. But it's just this great reminder of the fact that it, it's all already his. Like, that's mm-hmm. why the first matters. It's a great reminder. And that's of that. what, I mean, we looked at, I think it's earlier on Deuteronomy. I just quickly tried to find it. I couldn't. But where God tells them, he warns them, he goes, here's what's going to happen. You're going to go into the land, you're going to get arrogant. You're going to go, look what I have done. Look at the work of my hands. And he said, do not forget, it is God who gives you opportunity to make wealth. And and so like even for us, we have a very arrogant posture, uh, can have an arrogant, not everyone does, but we can have an arrogant posture even in our country because we have the ability to make large wealth, like incredible wealth quickly in our nation. And so we think like, look what we have done. And I'm like, you could have that exact same talent and be taken in place in another nation yep. and make nothing. So 100%. like we always have to recognize, even in the environment we're in right now, is this said. incredible opportunity that God has given us. And so like with, like I even think in my own life, the, the privileges that I've had, that I've had, a, I had a private education because we lived in a bad part of Detroit. 
that I had a private education. I had two parents in the home. Like mm -hmm. there were so many things that went into establishing how I think, I, specifically even in my job, two parents that love the word of God, love the ministry. Mm -hmm. My yeah. dad's a pastor, mom's in the ministry. So like there's so much that goes into it. And, and in arrogance, I could go, look what I have done. Yeah, and right. I go, no, look what God has done. Right. Look sure. how generous he's been. So certainly. generous, right. Yeah. It was Deuteronomy chapter eight, and I was looking it up real quick. What what you mentioned earlier, how in earlier he says, do not grow arrogant in that, that place. Now, let me ask you this. Oftentimes when it comes to our faith, we use a lot of terminology of, of commitment to God in our hearts. We use a lot of terminology of commitment to God in our words. We use a lot of terminology as far as like, uh, I, I am, I, I've, I've, let, I've let Jesus come into my heart and he is mm -hmm. the, the ruler of my life. Why the tangible expression? Yeah, because I would say prove it. <laughs> yeah. and, and I don't say that in a works-based system. Right. You know, like, um, I've always used this because th this one analogy that I use. So James says it. Uh, so James, the half-brother of Jesus, the book of James, he says, without, like, so with faith, faith has to be proven through works. Like, if you have faith without works, that faith is dead. And so, like, Paul says, we're saved by faith alone. So we're not saved by works. But, but James is really defining. So what does it really mean to trust God? It has to impact your behavior. Yeah. So I can't say I trust God if I don't take steps of faith, steps of trust. And the analogy I always use is like, if I tell you, both of you guys, I really love Mary. I mean, I love, love Mary. And then you find out I don't do anything loving. Mm -hmm. I don't mm -hmm. have kind words. I don't serve her in any capacity. And I'm not even talking about being a jerk to Mary in the sense of I'm not like, going above and beyond being rude or whatever. I just, if I don't do loving things, you would go, hey, let's be honest. I could challenge that statement that you actually love Mary because we know love is always going to be proven through action. Right. Is that fair? Yeah. yeah. It's not just an emotion. And right. I think sometimes in the Christian faith, we reduce our positive feelings toward God to call that faith right. and say that I'll have faith because we think favorably of God. Yep. God would say to us, that's not true faith. True faith right. always, and you cannot miss this, true faith always works itself out through action. Yep. So that's what James says. He goes, you might say, oh, I have, uh, you have works and I have faith. He goes, I'll show you my faith by my works. Yep. My faith is going to be proven through my works. And so if you don't honor God in your finances, you do not trust God in your finances, period. Mm -hmm. That's right. not an opinion of Matthew. That's scripture. Right. And, and so, yeah. Yeah, no. I, I mean, I, the, and I think the word's super clear. And even, re, even in regards to how we spend our resources is a clear indication of what we actually believe. Like where your treasures is where your heart will be also, right? Yeah. Yeah. If I'm allocating my funds, my time, anything that I would consider like a valuable asset, if I'm investing it into the kingdom of heaven, what does that indicate? That that's where my heart is. If I'm not, what does that indicate? That's not where my heart is. And in my life, anytime that, you know, when, when I take a tangible look at how I'm actually spending, if I'm realizing, wow, I've been really, I've been really frustrated lately. Um, I've been really bummed lately. Am I doing the things that show where my heart is? Am I investing the, the scarce resources that I have, whether it be monetary, whether it be my time, my prayer, whatever the case might be, if I'm actually investing that, then I feel closer to God. Then all of a sudden I feel like I have a better quality of life. And it comes to true over and over again. When we operate in the design that, that God has for us, our quality of life is better because that's the way he designed us to operate. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have those indicators, it's a massive red flag. And I think sometimes people, you talk about specifically about James and I know that like, Sometimes people hear that passage and they think, well, that means I have to do a bunch of stuff to get into heaven. And that's like the, the worst thing you could possibly think right about now. it. What it's actually saying is like, it's, it's flipped. When I have a genuine relationship with God, these things are, are a natural, organic expression of that genuine relationship. Mm -hmm. If I actually care about the kingdom of heaven, then I will be investing my resources in the kingdom of heaven. 
If I'm not, then I don't. Then that relationship isn't there. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's not this thing you have to do to receive. It's one of the things of, no, I do because that's where my heart is. That's what I care about. That's my relationship. Yeah. And again, all these weird things that we've talked about over the last few weeks, those are part of the book of the covenant. It's God establishing a way for the Israelites to connect and relate to him. These are the kind of the guidelines of standards. If you want to be in relationship, this is what we're going to do. And, and so you get this idea that God has invited them into relationship. He's given them guidelines. And then he says, this is how you show that you're committed to that relationship. How you're going to seal and ratify the, the covenant necessarily is, is by doing this tangible thing. And I think about in my life, like I have never experienced, I, I won't say never, the most tangible way that I experience a faith moment with God and I've seen God's provision has been through financial giving. Sure. And I it, agree. It, 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 yeah. like there's just something about taking money that we have, handing it over and tithing on it, being generous with it, and then see in obedience to what God is asking you to do, um, at times in tight moments, at times in moments when it doesn't make the most sense, and then still seeing God do miracles. And I, I, right. I, I don't know that I have as many tangible examples in any other area of my life as I do in our finances um, to, to see God move and fulfill the promises that he's promising right here. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I would agree with that, Chris, 100%. And, and I also have now connected in my own mind and heart the things that God does to bless us that you might not put a, a monetary amount on it. Sure. I still connect to the financial side in the sense that I have given my finances over to God. I honor God in my finances. And so I feel like I'm receiving the blessing in all areas of my life because of that, because there mm -hmm. was this critical part. And again, always the context. Look at it. It's one of the first things God always addresses with his people is the concept of financial giving because of what Jesus said. The most important thing, I, I, every time I teach on this, I say it, the most important words ever communicated about money were by Jesus, where he said, wherever your heart is, there your treasure is. You, you yeah. talked about it, referenced it earlier. That's the most important thing. So when we look at it, if our hearts and treasure are connected, there's no way, there's no way to be in a true faith relationship with God without investing your treasure, your resources, yeah. your finances into the kingdom of God, into what he's doing. Mm -hmm. By doing that, I feel God's blessing in every other area of my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it, That's actually something, that was the biggest thing I was afraid to talk about when I first got into ministry. Probably two things. I hated talking about giving because it just felt cringy. It's like felt like asking people like, oh, give me your money because like, you know, you've, right. you know, you have a vested interest in the church. And we know we care so much about the ministry and it just always feels so needy. And also there's like cultural things with that. Nobody likes asking for money. Like, you know, it's like, right. just doesn't feel great. Um, I didn't like asking people to, to serve at the church either. It felt just as like uh, needy to me of just like, come, you know, I, I, I used to be so apologetic. Like, I know you got to be out of your way. It's going to be, you know, super sacrificing. But you could just give this one time and like give your time and energy, your talent, whatever the case might be to serve. And I hated that over years and volume of time and seeing how gracious God has been in my life when I give those things up. It's now one of my favorite things to talk about because exactly what you said, very few things are so tangible. When mm -hmm. I am faithful with mm -hmm. my finances, I'm faithful with my time, energy, effort, resources, like any scarce resource. I've seen God bless that over and over again, and now it's my favorite thing to talk about. Like I want to tell you, like, oh, no, you should be serving in your church. Oh, you should yeah. definitely tithe. Oh, you should be really generous as well because I promise it's not because I'm being needy. Like 
the very concept that God needs you in the church. It's like, I promise he doesn't. God's really good at stuff. Like like God doesn't need to partner with us in anything. It is an opportunity for you to be blessed. I tell that to our, our worship team all the time. Worship people who do art can sometimes we, we're so blessed. Our church to have the most like low maintenance, cool, humble hearted musicians ever. Um, but even so it's something we talk about often with our musicians of you are not doing the church a favor by playing guitar. You are not doing the church. a favor. You are submitting to what God asked you to do. And that is a right. privilege and a blessing that he's allowing you to partner in that. I've you finances the same exact way. Like you are not doing the church. You're not doing God a favor by giving you're submitting, but to, you know, and what he designed you to do. And I think that that is an important aspect of this. And, and I want to, so Matthew, you mentioned that you're fairly comfortable with it, mm-hmm. speaking about finances. And it seems that you m- mentioned the tension that kind of revolves around right. it. You mentioned that you felt sheepish on about the other asking side, it. Yeah. yeah. And we have to acknowledge there, there have been, some pretty cringy things done sure. in the name of God revolving around finances and people have misstewarded money and people, and we see leadership do that. But what I want to say is this, and you mentioned it there, your obedience should not be dependent on another person's obedience. You know what I'm saying? Right. So if someone is some ministry that you've heard about somewhere down the, like on television or whatever, mm-hmm. They've mismanaged your money. That that does not negate the calling to yeah, be obedient. And, yeah, and let me speak to that for a second because I, I this is not an, an exaggeration to say I am like cl- connected to and even close friends with dozens and dozens of pastors, mm-hmm. so ministries around the country. Of all of them, I've never known any of them, the ones I personally know that right. have mishandled money or right. are doing, like none of the pastors are living in extravagance. Right. The, the televangelists, uh, yeah, it makes us, it's gross. It makes us all yeah. cringe. Yeah. But that is, you're talking like a percentage of a percentage. And even if you go group, to yeah. the hyper faith gospel, uh, the prosperity gospel, um, I, I think most churches are have been really uh, bold to speak out and say, that's not the gospel. That's yeah, not what right. we're talking about. God we're, God does not want every person rich and, and you don't have to plant a seed so that God will water that seed so you can be rich. And, you know, the pastors who say like, just envision that car in your, your garage sure, and stuff like that, yeah. like, that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> right. it, it's so much more beautiful than that. And yeah. that's, so all the pastors that I know are frustrated by those false teachers. And so like, it is unfortunate that we get connected in the same group. But when a pastor talks about money, there's, there's two sides to it. There's a genuine side where giving in the church is so low, typically in most churches, it's under 10% actually tithe. Mm-hmm. And, and so most churches, it's 3%, a, most places. Right. Yeah, it's say, 3%. It's too, yeah. And, and I bet as, as, as generous as our church is, I bet we're closer to 10. Yeah. I bet we're closer yeah. to 10% of people actually tithe. We have hundreds of people who come every week who don't give, not, not, a, not even a cent, not one penny, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I'm not, so I'm not bitter about it, but as a pastor, I, I want to constantly confront our people with truth because I love them. So there's two sides to this. Churches suffer because people don't give, and then people complain that the church has to speak about money. That's completely unfair. You mm-hmm. know, if you were to look at the times of Moses, if Moses had to come before the people and say, because you're not giving, we're hurting, that's not Moses's problem. Yeah. That's the people's disobedience. Okay, so there's that side. But then the other side is the pastors I know genuinely believe these things that the Bible teaches, 100%. and they want their people to be blessed. And yeah. that's my heart. I, I'm thankful because our people give generously enough that we're able to cover all so far the vision that God has for us, and, and we have bigger vision than that. But I also just I so I this is so real to me. 
I want every single person to experience the freedom that comes by placing God first in their finances, because it's not just that their bank account will be better, though I do believe God's blessing will be on it. It's a heart issue Mm -hmm. that will launch them into deeper levels of faith. There's nothing like giving control over of your finances and then find your finances get better. That just brings a security to you. That's incredible. Wow, God is real right and 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 yeah and i could give you testimony after testimony my own testimony that this is so real to mary and me that we can't help talk about it so like you guys know mary mary is i'll say this a lot of people are shocked by this mary's way more direct than i am way more direct but she just has the demeanor that Mary can could blast you and you wouldn't know yeah, you're she getting give you the business. You wouldn't know about it. Yeah, yeah. If I'm giving you the business, you know it. You're super <laughs> right. uncomfortable. My right. body language is weird and stuff. But Mary, when she talks to people, like if, if someone goes, um, if someone's not a Christian and they talk to Mary, Mary's just blunt. She's, she's a, again, not exaggeration. She is the biggest evangelist I know. But, but there's a point to this story. But like if, if she's talking to someone and they're not a Christian, Mary's first response is, oh, you need to go to church and meet Jesus. Right? right? Yeah. Okay. If she's talking to someone and they're like, you know what, I just, I want to grow, or I'm feeling disconnected. She's like, you need to get into a connect group, like yeah. immediately. If someone talks about anything mm-hmm. financial, she's like, like, so if they're telling her about their financial struggles, her response is you need to tithe. Yeah. Okay, why does Mary have that response? Because all three of those truths are so real to her yeah. mm-hmm. that she loves these people she's talking to enough to go, oh, I have the solution. Yeah. Here's the solution. Put God first in these major areas of your life and you're gonna discover God's blessing. She, if For her, she couldn't give them any other better advice because that's the best advice she has to offer. And, and so that's what I feel like when I see this passion. Like I know you said you were sheepish about it, I used to be too as a pastor. I was like yeah. almost apologetic. And, and yeah. my favorite teacher on finances is Robert Morris. Robert Morris, I was in a small group with him. And he said to this group of pastors, he goes, um, he's like, do you believe the truth? And we're, everyone's like, well, yeah, we believe the truth. Yeah. You know, we're yeah, all pastors. Sure, yeah. He goes, do you think God's going to bless him? And he's like, yeah. He's like, why are you embarrassed that, to right. promote something that would bless your people? Right. And I was like, it, that's all I needed. And I was yeah. like, absolutely. It's that Mary Johnson principle. It's like, you need to love them enough to share them with the, with the truth. And here's the other part. If you don't do these things, if you don't submit those things to God, if you don't, Mary's evangelistic about it because she's experienced that health. If you don't experience that health, if you'll never have that confidence. Right. right. You'll never be able to minister to somebody in that way. Because it is. That's a bold thing to say when someone's talking about financial hurt. Like, well, you should be generous. You should, you should yeah. tithe. That's the only way she can do that is because she has experienced her, her life get better because she submitted to what God told her to yeah, do. For sure. If you don't do that, you'll never be able to have that confidence. You'll always feel sheepish. You'll always, you know, and that's heartbreaking. And I don't know how many times, and you, meant, you, you, you alluded to it, how many times the financial giving and, and trusting God and seeing God come through in that has led to other steps of faith for sure. In my life, like in, in other areas. And so if we want to see God move, yeah. the most practical, um, even sometimes I'll say most simple, I won't say easy, the simplest way to begin that process of seeing God move and God fulfill his promises in your life is to start by, by tithing yeah, and, right. and by giving your finances. Yeah, I mean, so in, any one of us, us three, and, and I would say just about anybody on staff and many of our leaders, all of us could could give our testimonies and none of us could give our complete testimony without talking about finances yeah. at some point if not a major point of it mm-hmm. because we had to give that up like so uh, to come here for me the church offered me a job so i was a pastor in detroit they offered me the office secretary job at ten thousand dollars less a year mm-hmm. and and mary was no guarantee that she'd be a teacher because that was that's her by trade 
because we were moving in uh, July, which is not a great opportunity to find a teaching job for the fall. Right. And we never, I'm not exaggerating on this, Mary and I never once, not one time, had a discussion about finances when making our decision to come to Lancaster. Because we had so trusted God in our finances by that point, we were like, he'll work that out. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and we never missed a bill. We never were, po were poor. I mean, we were poor in the sense of the standards, but not, we didn't feel like poverty. Mm -hmm. and, and then even then, like we, so one year Mary teaches, and then we had children, so we had Cole. And we just had a, a value system that we weren't, we weren't, Mary wasn't going to work. She was going to stay home. And so at that point I made, I mean, I'm not embarrassed to say it, this is 17, 18 years ago now. I made $35,000 a year and I gave 20% to the church because mm -hmm. I just so trusted God that I was like, and we never, again, we were living week to week. Yeah. I did not, my savings was not going up. Never once missed a bill. Um, it, it wasn't the ideal way to live. I'm not going to lie in the sense of at that <laughs> yeah, point, sure, yeah, sure. but it, it was still just a faith step that I knew God yeah. was going to take care of us. And, and that has just been a value that has stayed with us from that moment. And, and everyone, I mean, like when you were interning at the church, you, mm -hmm. you gave up a job to work for free at the church, believing God was calling you in the ministry. Mm -hmm. And, and then when you came to that, it, it, it God took care of you. And, and to this day, I'm not going to share all of your testimony, but I know there have been seasons of God's extravagant generosity in your life. 100%. And same thing with you, Michael. Yeah. Like with your, we talked about a couple of times ago in your uh, about your house and yeah. being able to. Those are those moments that, those are part of your testimony. Yeah, forever. So you would yeah. share like, yeah, and then this happened and this happened, and it doesn't mean that we never have financial. Our, sure. All of our vehicles break down. I think all three of us <laughs> yeah. have been in a shop in the last <laughs> sure, month or so. Yeah. You know. But it, it's still, we just had that confidence. God's going to take care of us, and it yeah, carries absolutely. over into ministry and other areas. Absolutely. Yeah, well said. All right, let's get moving. We're, we're four verses in. And I know, I think I'm so we've passionate been about, about this topic. I was <laughs> yeah, like, right. in my mind, I was like, guys, you don't need to say anything. All right, all right, all right here, here we go. go. Camera. <laughs> <laughs> all right, picking up in verse five. And you should, good news is we're going to continue to talk about it. Um, and, and you shall make response before the Lord your God, a wandering Aramean. So this is, this is what some, Moses is commanding the people to say when they give their offering. A wandering Aramean was my father, and he went down into Egypt and sojourned there, few in number, and there he became a nation, a great and mighty populace. And the Egyptians treated us harshly and humiliated us and laid on us hard labor. Then we cried to the Lord, the God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil and our oppression. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great deeds of terror and signs and wonders. And he brought us to this place and gave, the, gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And behold, now I bring the first fruit of the ground, which you, O Lord, have given to me. And you shall set it down before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. And you shall rejoice in all the good that the Lord your God has given you, given you and to your house, you and the Levite and the sojourner who is among you. So we get this now that not only is it a response of finances, we get a response of worship and, and, and a declaration of, hey, this is all that God has done. Um, now, now, Michael, I'm going to throw you on the spot because I didn't put this one in the notes. Sure, so, yeah. But why we, we have this tangible response of giving the tithe over, but now we have this, this worship response. Why are the two tied together so important? Yeah, uh, well, great question. Worship in its nature is making God the priority in your life. So if you're going to give financially and if you're going to submit to God, but you can still potentially do that and not do it with a happy heart and not do it because your heart's in it. You could do it out of legalism. Um, doing something out of legalism um, 
has never in my life or empty religious action brought me fulfillment. In fact, you read over and over again in the Bible, God speaking very harshly when people participate in empty like religious festivals <coughs> or feasts. I taught a message a, a year or two ago now about Amos and about how they were doing all the religious things that they were asked to do, but they were, they were at the same time robbing from people and, and persecuting people and treating them poorly. And God literally says, I hate it. I hate your songs. I hate your religious festivals, mm -hmm. you know? And in this case, if you're not going to worship, if you're not going to let your tithe be an act of worship or your giving, if you're not going to do it from this heart of, I want to serve and submit to God, if you're going to do it from a sense of legalism, um, then you're not making God the priority. Um, and, and so having a moment of worship and gratitude and saying, God, this is yours. You designed me for this purpose. I'm submitting it to you. I'm going to do it with, with it makes, as you're reading, it made me think about something my grandma used to always tell me. She cleaned houses and she still does clean houses for years and years and years and years. And I remember her telling me once when I was a kid that when she cleaned toilets, she cleaned it like, like Jesus himself would use it. She's like, because all of his creation is worthy of that. It's like, it doesn't That's matter awesome, if this yeah. is like such a crap job. She's like, I don't care. I will do it to the very best of my Pun ability. Intended. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no joke. But I'm going to do it to the very best of my ability because I'm going to, you know, these people are made in the image of Jesus, whether they're recognized or not, and they're worthy of that. Yeah. I love that servant heart and that yeah. idea of like, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it well. If I'm going to give, I'm going to give with worship. If I'm going to worship, I'm going to do it with a pure heart and a pure mind. And I'm going to make God the priority in this moment. If I'm going to do these things, um, I'm not going to make any great statements of like, you know, there might be something you said for a religious act, even if you're not feeling it of like, yeah, I don't really feel like tithing, but I'm going to do it anyways. I think that's also appropriate, but mm -hmm. I love that this is the heart though. And it's exemplified of no, the priority right now is this is an act of celebration, not one of loss because they are so profoundly trusting that God can do greater with, with, with what they're losing in their first fruits. Yeah, worship and, and, and true giving have to be connected. And in, in my experience, I would say uh, th this would be such a dramatic statement, but I, I think the people who struggle the most with giving are also people who struggle with worship because there's a certain level of, again, these are kind of harsh terms that I don't mean to be, but it's, it's just my observation is there's a certain level of arrogance yeah. in a person that like even what Jesus said. So I'll use Jesus' words. That way, if you get mad, you get mad at Jesus. <laughs> but Jesus, he admitted that for rich people, it it's hard for them to give. It, you know, he talks about it. it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven, and yeah. it because there's a certain level of arrogance that when you start to be successful, you naturally go, "Look what I have done. Right. I've done mm -hmm. this." And I think the the heart of worship is, here's what I've actually done. I failed God. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I have let God down. I'm a sinner. I've I'm earned broken. death. I have yeah. earned death. Yeah. You have given me grace. Yeah, so mm -hmm. good. And, and when you have that heart that says, everything I have is a gift from God, and that's what this is. It's the context of God's deliverance and provision, right? This is what I was talking about earlier. When you, when you bring your gift, in case you're tempted to go, like, but this is mine. Yeah. He goes, oh, here's the context. Here's who you were. Right. You were oppressed and you were broken and I supernaturally delivered you. I mean, okay, so think about this. Like, uh, I'll give you an example. This is, this is going to be so, I'll use Michael's term. This is going to be so gross what I'm about to say. <laughs> and, uh, and if someone ever edits this clip can really make me look bad, okay? <laughs> but if I were to say to you, if I were to get up in front of the church and go, here's what I think, and I want to be clear, I don't think this, okay? Sure. I do not think this, any, whatever <laughs> camera's on me right now. <laughs> but if I were to get up and go, um, you know, the church has been successful. In, in 10 years, we've seen growth. We've grown in every capacity. I did this. Yeah. You know, I'm an incredible speaker. Uh, I am an incredible leader. Like, what it, does it make you uncomfortable? Even though you know I'm yeah. joking, like right yeah. now. Like a, sure. And yet, when a person does that in their own job and goes like, 
you know what, but I'm the one who went to college. I'm the one who did all these things. This is my money. Mm-hmm. It's just as gross as a pastor getting up saying, 100%. I'm the reason why the church grew. You would go, right. no, you're not. Right. It's the same thing when your own life, when you say, I'm the reason why, you go, no, God's the reason why yeah. for all mm-hmm. things. He's the giver of life. He puts you in this place. He gave you a brain that gave you capacity to think. He gave you physicality so that you could work. He gave you opportunity in the country. Like everything's a gift from God. And so the same way that it's gross for a pastor to say that, it'd be gross for an individual to say that. Yeah. And that's why he's giving you the context. Here's what you were and here's what I've done for you. Now here's your proper response. Put me first, honor yeah. me as a reminder to you, and I'm gonna to continue to bless you. And that's the context of all of this. And it takes all of it. Like I think about in, a, in my, my marriage relationship, I don't want just to serve my wife. I, I wanna serve my wife, but I don't want to just, just serve, serve my right. wife. Yeah, right. I love the way you said that. I, I, well want to, I want to have romantic feelings for my wife. I yeah. want my heart to be stirred for her. I want the entirety of my being to be in love with my wife and to demonstrate love for my and wife. And vice versa, right? You want and her vi- that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And vice versa. And so it takes the physical, the tangible, it takes the heart work, it takes kind of all of the things that, that Moses is kind of laying out here, that that all of these things are what it takes to really have a true, a genuine, and, and a life-giving relationship mm-hmm. with God. It, it, it's going to take tangible acts it's also going to take heart work and and right. remembering what god has done remembering who we were remembering how god has loved us and so um I, I think i think the pairing of the tangible of these are my finances these are th- these are the things you've given to me i give them back to you this is my heart right. remind me and show me who i was and what you've done for me yeah you yeah. said um you know you're talking about sometimes it might not feel like it we all have those moments when sure. obedience, it might not be specifically about finances, but it could be about finances, sure. but just in obedience in general, where there are those moments where you're like, I don't feel like serving. I don't feel like forgiving. You know, I, maybe you guys have never had this, but I had this, Mary and I, when, when we have go through seasons where we're finding ourselves more intense and frustrated, maybe we don't feel as loved. There are times that I have been very frustrated with her and not feel loved and, and when I take a step back and think about it, it takes but a split second for me to go, I am as confident as I am of anything that Mary loves me. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. and I can think back of all the stuff. In a moment, my emotions betray me, right. and I think she's not loving me. She doesn't love me. She's selfish, or whatever it might be. And I know she she could think the same thing about me. But when I take a step back, I go, wait, no. And it's the same thing. This mm-hmm. isn't with God. Is there are the moments where we go, like, I don't feel like doing it, and we take a step back and go, oh wait, wait but God. Yeah. yeah. But God being rich in His mercy, and we, you know, in Ephesians right. chapter two. But God, we were all these things dead in our trespasses, but God made us alive again. Yeah. God is the one who does us. And and if we don't have those moments of worship, I think obedience will always be hard. Yeah. Because we just start to embrace our own emotions and our own feelings. And, and I think we all can agree our emotions and feelings are the worst compass to guide our <laughs> lives. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think there's so much power in that discipline. Like if I let the surrounding situations and circumstances of my life dictate every action, I would be a mess. I'd probably yeah. be in jail. Like we were <laughs> truthfully. Like, yeah. yeah. You, you have strong, strong emotions. I feel right? things pretty big. Yeah. We yeah. were just talking about like road rage earlier and it's just like, you know, people can get like so angry and so intense and, and I feel things in such a big way. If I just let myself experience all those things and act on what I'm feeling at any moment, I'd be a mess. I'd probably be divorced, probably yell and berate my kids. I'd probably yell at my employees and my coworkers. I'd be rude. I'd be cruel. Um, and the reality is there, there's something to be said for the discipline. I think marriage is a great example of saying, even at times when you're not feeling all the romantic affection to say, what can I do to serve my wife right now? Yeah. And that reminder of even taking a step back and realizing the value that that has, 
who is my wife to me? Who am I to her? What is our responsibility to each other? Even allows me, even in struggle, even in mess, even in chaos, still give to her and love to her in a, self, in, a, in a sacrificing way, even with a joyful heart, even if the surrounding situation is still a mess. And I think financial giving is the same way. You could be like, man, I'm still poverty stricken. Like I'm still not doing well. I'm still don't know where I'm gonna get the, you know, the money for the bills next month, but I can still give and I can still do it with a joyful heart, even amidst that chaos. And I think that's where the worship comes in, is yeah. correcting your heart space, you know? 100%. All right, on to verse 12. When you have finished paying all the tithe of your produce in the third year, which is the year of tithing, giving, giving it to the Levite, the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, so that they may eat within your towns and be filled, then you shall say to the Lord your God, I have removed the sacred portion out of my house, and moreover, I have given it to the Levite, the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, according to all your commandment that you have commanded me. I have not transgressed any of your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. I have not eaten of the tithe while I was mourning, or removed any of it while I was unclean, or offered any of it to the dead. Which that is a weird thing, and I still <laughs> we might have to talk about that. But I'll I tell don't, you what, I that's a command I've never been tempted to break. Yeah, yeah. deal <laughs> done, done, done. I like that. In all my research, I found nothing that talked about that. So, <laughs> well, that's like Paul one time references the baptism baptisms of the, the dead. dead. Yeah, yeah like, it's never mentioned anywhere else. You're like, I don't know, don't know. Sounds like a metal band, baptisms <laughs> of the dead. <laughs> I have obeyed the voice of the Lord my God, and I have done according to all that you have commanded me. Look down from your holy habitation from heaven, and bless your people Israel, and the ground that you have given us, as you swore to our fathers, a land flowing with milk and honey. So what we have here going on is we got not only are we worshiping in this moment of giving, but, but he's calling them to essentially create a vow, a promise of, uh, and you could even think about this as like, in you know, a wedding ceremony type of or, said, ordeal yeah. um, of, he, he's saying, promise when you do these things, make this promise that, that you are going to live by the, the commands of the Lord. You're going to, you're going to, you've been faithful to this. You've not tried to half-heart it. You've not tried to um, kind of be sneaky about, I'm, I'm going to eat a portion of this and then give. Um, and so essentially he's saying, Make the vow to God that you're going to be committed to Him and follow His ways uh, throughout this time. How important is it? And, and, and I would say vow giving is is probably making a vow is probably a weird thing in our culture. Um, but how important is it to be purposed about these things that we've talked about and about following after and being obedient to God and, and, and upholding Him? It is the most critical mindset you can have. If you don't have a committed mindset of a vow to God, then your emotions will betray you, seasons yeah. will betray you, situations mm -hmm. will betray you. Um, I'm not exaggerating on this. I really am not. Uh, I, I am very transparent. I struggle in a lot of areas. This is not one for me of uh, finances. I am never, ever, ever tempted to not give to God his portion because right. I have such a conviction that this is true. I have such a healthy fear of God the last thing in the world I'd ever want is God to remove his blessing from my finances. And, but I have just made a commitment. It is the very first thing. So like I've, I've shared this before, uh, we're, we're paid every other week. Uh, when I get the email that alerts me that I have been paid, I, I do text through giving. Uh, I pull up my phone. I have a moment of prayer and thanksgiving to God. I send that number through. It's the first bill I pay. So I mean, it's the first thing I give out of my, my uh, before I pay any bills or anything like that because there's a special moment, but I've made that commitment in my heart. And that, that's what I think some people there, when you give at the end, so if you don't just give first to God, like the tithe, 
you'll pay all your bills and then what you have left over at that point fear is governing you other desires are governing you and i think you just have to have the commitment in your heart i am doing this the same way that like I don't have to be reminded that I'm married to my wife. Mm. That is a commitment. Sure. I, I am going to be faithful to marry. I yeah. do not flirt with other women. I do not let them flirt with me. I do not talk with other women. I do not go on other dates. I do mm -hmm. not, right? Like those are all things you would go, yeah, obviously that's common sense. Same thing. I'm in a relationship with God, so I've made a commitment. And, and that is one like, so for Mary and me, it, it's not just a commitment that I'm going to give every other week. It's a commitment that my lifestyle is going to be such that allows me to give to God first and generously if he mm -hmm. calls us above and beyond to do whatever he calls us to do. Yeah. So like there are some practical things. Um, I'm sharing this for practical side, not to, to lift myself up in this area, but Mary and I have never allowed our mortgage to be higher than our tithe. And, and so we our number one payment that goes out from our finances. And I'm not, that's a, I'm not saying to anyone else. So that's not a legalistic thing. So if you guys are like, well, that's not us, you know, like that's not what I'm sure. saying. Mm -hmm. We just made that a commitment because we didn't want to adjust our lifestyle to such that tithing became difficult for us. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we were like, you know what? Our tithe will never be greater. And so we've committed to at least 20% of giving. So 10% for the tithe, 10% for offering and to be generous to other people. And so like, like Mary's, um, the, the van she drives is now uh, seven years old. And not that that's like ancient or whatever, but like we've made a commitment. We're not gonna just constantly have new vehicles. The, my vehicle now is a few years old, but prior to that, it was 14 years old. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like we, we just had a commitment. We, we bought new furniture this past year for the first time since we had been married and, and we just celebrated our 20th year. So we put an addition on our house. So I'm not poor mouthing this, put an addition on right, our house. Yeah. But mm -hmm. even after the addition, our mortgage is, is only went up by a couple hundred dollars and because of low interest rates and our good credit and stuff. Mm -hmm. But you get, you get what I'm saying? Like yeah. it, the vow is not just every other week I'm gonna give to God. The vow is I'm gonna live at a lifestyle that doesn't threaten my finances so that I can honor God. Because actually in this passage, um, we kind of went over it just a little bit. What it's kind of implying is that there's three different tithes. There's mm -hmm. the first tithe that goes to the Levites that we've seen in scripture. There's a second mm -hmm. one with the festivals that you take in uh, yearly. You get three festivals that you go. This is a third tithe that is given to the sojourners and to the fatherless. It's like a special offering to take care of the needs in the community. Mm -hmm. and, I, I, and I've heard persuasively argued that the reason we don't still have three tithes is because now we live in a culture and we have taxes that, that take care of a lot of these things. I've heard both sides of the argument, but just understand what he's telling them is to live at such a lifestyle that you can honor God with portion, big portions of your yeah. giving, not the bare minimum of bare minimum of 10%. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah and so he's saying like, this commitment is bigger than just saying, I'm going to give yeah. to God a tithe. It's, it's a lifestyle. Right. And if you're not committed to that vow and to that lifestyle, it, you'll never be successful. Never. We just had a in conversation. Anything. In anything. We just had a conversation today about working out. Where right. It's just yeah. like if somebody goes and they work out once a week, twice a week, they'll never like it. Like, right. I think that's safe to say. If you're out of shape, like, man, I'd love to get into shape. Uh, I'm going to go once a week. It's yeah, like so that once a week. Yeah, you I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay? Sure. Yeah. Speak about that because your last year of journey yeah. is you made a commitment. I'm sure. going to get healthier. And mm -hmm. it's, it's hugely successful for yeah. you in this process. But you had to make a commitment in major. I'm not trying to put you on the spot. No, but I, sure, I know sure. like you're, you're good for that. Is, yeah. And you've seen the success because of that commitment. Yeah. Yeah. So that's very generous of you to say. I'm, I'm also like still much to go in that process. But that being said, where I found success so far is I decided to make a deal with myself. 
And I, I decided to value my own word and my own character enough to not break that deal with myself. Mm-hmm. So if, if I said it started super simple, I think we started working out like twice a week together maybe when it first started last July. Yeah, it was like July. Tuesday and Thursday. So like Tuesday and Thursday. So I'm like, all right, if I'm going to work out two times a week, I need to have enough character and I need to love myself enough to say I'm going to work out two mm-hmm. times a week. It turns out I still hated it every day for like <laughs> so long. For like so long I would wake up. Um, we weren't even working out especially early, so I can't blame that. We'd have to wake up like 6.30 and... We were working out 7 a.m. Yeah, 7 a.m. So it's like totally reasonable, you know, but I'd still wake up every day and think like, well, if I call off work, then then I don't have to work out. <laughs> like, oh. like trying because I hated it so much. It's such like a, I just hated. it. I hated doing it. I hated the way it made me feel. Then after about three months, I realized like, oh, this feels, it, um, this, this doesn't hurt as bad. I didn't like right. it, but I'm like, okay, I'm not looking for excuses now. Um, and so I continued for another three months and, and then we changed it. So like it was two days a week and now it's like four or five days a week. And then another three months passed and another three months passed. And now it's like, if I don't work out, I feel really unwell. Like my mental health takes a hit. My physical health takes a hit. I was just telling Chris, I got back from church camp recently and for like two weeks, I just didn't eat that great. And I was just like, I, I, I plateaued and I sat where I was and I just couldn't get it under control and I felt gross and it's, and that's that well, it's because I'm not living up to the promise that I made myself. I was still working out, but I was just, you know, now I have different sets of rules. You change as you go and it's the same right. way with generosity. You might start with a tithe, but you might adjust. You say, well, mm-hmm. now I want to be more generous, whatever. Whatever the deals you're making with yourself that God puts on your heart, it's worth honoring them and if you don't, you just won't be successful. If, right. it, if it's yeah. this half committal, I'll tithe when I have it. You're never going to tithe. Right. If it's, a, I'll be generous when, when I have much. You're never going to be generous. Oh, for sure. You'll yeah. never that, be, that's the biggest lie people tell themselves. Yeah. If I had more money, I'd be generous. If I was wealthy, I'd be generous. That, that's yeah. the number one lie you see when people say, if I if I won the lottery, I would be more generous. It's like, no, you wouldn't. No, right. you're, if you're not generous yeah. now, you wouldn't no be then. No way. So for me, where I've just had to come, you have to realize like that commitment and that vow, even when it stinks, and even though I like, I work out a lot now, and I'm like really dedicated to a lot of different things that, that, have, that are helping find success. But to me, if I'm not consistent and if it's not a legit dedication, something like a vow, I know that it won't work because right. I've spent like 10 years being really out of shape and I'm, I've had those half in, half out moments right. and it never, ever, ever works. And that's what our conversation was today was we were looking back. So we've been working out together for a year yeah. and you were talking about in the beginning, you hated it. That's what you just shared. It, yeah. And today we did a workout that all three of us were a part of it mm-hmm. and, and actually a bunch of our staff. So like yeah. today was, I don't know, 15 of our staff were, were a part of the morning workout. But um we ran through the course of the entire workout over or around two miles and did 50 clean and jerks. You did 135 pounds, so you yeah. were throwing up some heavy weight. And, uh, and all of that, and we got done, and we're tired, and then we had a conversation. We're t- like, we, we didn't feel awful. I mean, right. we're tired. Don't get me wrong. We're yeah, tired and stuff yeah. like that. It's a tough workout, but you're functional. You're functional. Yeah. And then we <laughs> went, we, we all went, got home, got, got cleaned up, came to work, Couldn't and had work, conversations. Yeah. And it's like, it's all paying off now for everybody yeah. that's a part of that. Whereas a year ago. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. If I would done that workout a year ago, I would have thrown up twice. I'm not even kidding. I would have yeah. thrown up. I would have been home. You even come close to finishing it. No it way. Been, yeah. yeah. And, and so it, there is that commitment in your mind. I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. And. And you got to stick to it. Yeah, I was going to say, and that that is the key. Like, if you're listening to this and you're like, I I don't know how to start this. I, I hear what you're saying. I want to do it. The the vow really is the most important part at that in in, in that moment of of taking those next steps to mm-hmm. become faithful in this area of giving or exercise or whatever it is that we're doing. And it, it's it's that I commit to doing this, yeah, and, right. and I'm going to be this because you have been faithful to me. Um, yeah. And in the same way, we're talking about finances. I was talking about my physical health. 
in the same way that, like I said in the very beginning of this chapter, that like, dude, it's all God's anyways. Like all yeah. of your money, everything you have, all of your resources, all of your time, it's just generosity from God. Physical health is the same thing where it's like, well, this is the body that God blessed me with anyways. You know? right. So the idea of like, I want to steward over it well. If you can't be committed to that, you're not being committed to what God asked you to do. And I'm not trying to preach about working out. I mean, this really is about finances. I just think it really is an interesting you know, parallel because it's taking the resources that God has given you, whether it be your physical body, you know, your time or your money. And I have, you have to ask yourself, is it, is my obedience worth it? You know, mm -hmm. is, is what God is going to do in my life is the submission to him worth, you know, that sacrifice. And if it is, you know, the, you have to do it. It's not yeah. easy. It's going to be right. hard sometimes and it's going to be a pain in the butt, but like every time it's worth it. In my and that's, life. that's the, so let <laughs> I me mean, be blunt. Again. I don't know why I even <laughs> preface that anymore. Like just make the assumption. But how many people say, you know, I, I can't get healthy, and then they have a heart attack, and all of a sudden they make a bunch of changes, right? Yeah. And I'm not trying to be insensitive, but right, you go sure. like, well, there's something dramatic. Now I make all these changes. See it all the time. All yeah. the time, right? Same thing in finances. There are people I can't afford to to give or whatever, and then right now we have inflation that's so high that many people, I would say, their budget on average has gone up 10%. Yep. Yeah. Would we all agree with that? Big, and people just make adjustments yeah. to adapt to that. And yet, when people say like, "Where do I get started?" and I can't give ten percent, I go, "Yeah, you can." Yeah, there, some rare people it would really, really rock their world. But no, you can't give ten percent and keep exact lifestyle. No, of you might how have to make money. adjustments, as we all are right now in the current economy. Exactly. You have to adjust. So, sure. like, even in our in our budget, Mary and I are mm -hmm. going to sit down. Actually, this week we're going to sit down and look at our budget because inflation has so impacted it. And now we have three drivers because I have my my son's driving, and and this is what's crazy. This is total old man stuff. Now when my son drives somewhere, in my mind, I'm counting the money in my head. Like, <laughs> yeah. so I figured Every time out, like, they leave the driveway. Well, I figure like if he's going to this location and back, that's at least I know how much how many miles per gallon. That's at least two gallons. So that's now ten bucks. So I'm, I'm viewing his trips in yeah. dollar signs, which is so <laughs> weird. I hope it's worth that ten bucks, kid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's pretty much it. Like, yeah. can I go over to my friends? Like, he, he texted one time recently. He was like, "Can I go pick up my friend from in town?" He was at your house, and he was like, "Can I go pick up a, a friend from in town?" In my mind, I was like. That's ten bucks. No, like that <laughs> you friend, certainly cannot. Yeah, that friend's mom can go yeah, drop he, him off. He's hoping it, bro. But I'm just saying, like, so you ask, where do you start? You go. I'm going to start with a commitment. Yeah. That yeah. I'm going to do this. Now let me take a step back. What do I need to eliminate to do it? Do yeah. I have to eliminate fast food and get on yeah, sure. and, and start shopping at Aldi's and cooking food for myself in order to get that? Then do that. Yeah. Yeah. Because again, for you. Not for God, not yeah, for right. the church. Like, don't, right, right. I, I don't think I've said one time throughout this thing so that the church can be better, right? right. It's for you so yeah. that you can be reminded of what God can do in your life. Right. And Absolutely. when when inflation goes up, you have no control over it. Right. And that's why you do it because it's not a choice. You just have to adjust. You have to. You have to change your mentality when it comes to giving that you have no choice. Like, right. this is a vow, mm -hmm. it's a commitment. This is not an option in the same way that you can't just call. The U.S. government would be like, fix it. I mean, you could. I don't think it would work. <laughs> but you could, but you're like, make it, make it, make money mean more. No, that's not going to happen. So you just adjust and you change because you absolutely have to for survival. That's how seriously tithing should be yeah. in your life and giving and generosity mm -hmm. should be in your life. Is that no? This is mandatory to do and to submit to the way God designed me to operate and the things that He asked me to do is mandatory for my survival. And all of a sudden, your money looks a little bit differently, and the way you give it looks a little bit differently. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's wrap these verses up, and, and, and I think what you just said is going to really segue into these last few verses and the importance of, 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 uh, of allowing the sacrifice and the, the, the commitment to play out and why mm -hmm. it's important. So, this is the day the Lord your, your God—excuse me, one more time. This day the Lord your God commands you to do these statutes and rules. You shall therefore be careful to do them with all your heart and with all your soul. 
what you just said, Michael, mm -hmm. right? You have declared today that the Lord is your God and that you will walk in his ways and keep his statutes and his commandments and his rules and you will obey his voice. And the Lord has declared today that you are a people for his treasured possession. I, I want to read that again. Why do we do these difficult things? Why do we give 10%? Why do we commit ourselves to doing hard things? Yeah. Uh, because the Lord our God has made us his treasured possession. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he has promised you that you are to keep all his commandments. And he will set you in praise and in fame and in honor high above all the nations that he has made. And that you shall be a people holy to the Lord your God as he promised. Yeah, man, I love it. The, the, be purposed in your heart. You know, like mm -hmm. you have to value it. If you are begrudgingly giving, you shouldn't. I mean, Paul, I think, is the one who says it, yeah. that God God loves a cheerful giver. Yeah. yeah. If you are just begrudgingly thinking about finances, I really don't know the value of it. Yeah. Like, I mean, I still think you should obey God. I'm never comfortable to say, like, well, if you don't want to do it, don't do it. But like, there's right. still a part of me that just says, like, you're, you're missing the value of it. The, yeah. the heart of it that says, I mean, everything he just said, like, here, you make this commitment. And he goes, I'm making a commitment. I mean, that's what he just said, right? Yeah, like, exactly. You make a commitment, I'm making a commitment. Yeah. Do you want God to be committed to bless your finances? I mean, right? Like, yeah. when you word mm -hmm. it that way, you're like, yeah. 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 Like, that's, a, that's the best thing I could ever possibly have. Yeah. And he goes, you know how you do it? Honor me. Right. Put, it, put me first, the, the mm -hmm. first 10%. You know, and 10% of gross, like, that's the other thing that people struggle with. And you go, no, the, the 10%, I'm, I'm saying, God, this is what I'm, I'm asking. Will you do more with my 90% than I could with 100%? Will yeah. you do more? Will you bless it? And God does. And that, again, that's the experience of our church, our church tithes, mm -hmm. um, even though we don't necessarily have to, but our church tithes, God is super generous to us in that way. All the, the staff tithe, all of our leaders tithe. Uh, it's a part of membership you have to tithe. And the testimony we hear over and over and over and over and over again is God has been faithful and blessed us. Yeah, yeah, incredible. Amen. Well, um, guys, this is a great discussion. I really appreciate it. I, we've probably gone a little bit longer than we typically do, but uh, uh, wonderful discussion. And I pray that, that this um, has stirred something in your heart. It, right. if, if you are someone who has given on a regular basis and you've done this, you've made this commitment, you, you, you give with a worshipful heart, then I pray that you continue to experience the blessings of, of God's promise to you to walk in relationship and, and to be your God and provide for you. Um, if you've never experienced that and, and this is something new, I would encourage you, take this to heart, pray about it, and then make that vow, that commitment, and just start doing it. And, yeah, and, and if your finances are in disarray, we have financial counselors. Absolutely, 100%. You. Uh, you know, we don't just preach the truth and then say you're on your own. Good luck. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's in every area. Here's the truth, and we're here to partner with you in relationships to help you. And we have financial mentors that are trained to help you get a budget and to walk you down that that pathway. So again, make that commitment. And if you need help, seek help. We yeah. would love to help out. 100%. Well, thanks for joining us again, and we will see you next week. Well, thank you so much again for joining us today. Uh, just like Pastor Matthew said, if you are in a place where you're trying to make the commitment to God to, to be faithful with your finances, um, to maybe even be faithful with serving, we do have resources that we can help you with. And so if you would be interested in finding out more information about uh, financial uh, mentors or uh, finding a place where you can serve, where you can um, learn to make those vows, those commitments to God and the things that he's calling us to, 
uh, we would love to help you. You can reach out to us at info at the tree.church and just put a little note in there uh, about what exactly you're looking for in the subject line and we will get back with you as soon as we possibly can to help you on this journey. Because again, the beautiful thing about the promises of God, even though he asks things of us, the beautiful thing is it's never just to sacrifice. God is always asking us to be obedient because it leads us into further trust and love and enjoyment of life with him. So I pray that this was a challenging uh, discussion for you and that uh, it will lead you to more and more steps of faith. Thank you again so much for joining us, and we pray you have a great week.